Okay, Pasa Mufasa, welcome to the Micopreneur Podcast. We've got the one and only Darren LeBaron in the house today. They play Monopoly. That's what they, you know, that's what they do. That's what history has shown me. So I don't expect history to do much different, in all honesty. My question to those people who, you know, rally up and, you know, challenge that, because I'm, I'm also here to challenge that system as well. But I'm like, what do we do about that? When you know that that's how your opposition is playing, so to speak, you know, like, what do you do? Darren LeBaron dropping some intel on his forthcoming webinar series titled Psychedelics in Africa, The Untold Story. And it really is an untold story. Darren's been kind enough to dive into the thousands of years of African psychedelic legacy spanning the continent and predating many of the plant medicine traditions that some of us are more familiar with around the world. So we're going to see what developments Darren has been busy cultivating since the last time that he checked in with us on a prior episode of the Micropreneur podcast last year. It's a pleasure to host this podcast for you. Please consider sharing and rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you're listening. Thank you, fam. So without further ado, let's hear what Darren LeBaron has to say about psychedelics in Africa, the untold story. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, Darren LeBaron, one of the most prolific and busiest individuals in the fungi community and in the plant medicine world. Welcome back to the Micopreneur Podcast. How are things going in the UK today, Darren? Oh, good, my man. How are you doing, Dennis? Cannot complain. We're actually going through a transition of weather now, just getting ready for the hibernation period of, of the season, man. Well, it seems like you're constantly grinding, and I've been lucky enough to tap in with you in person a few times since our last podcast. You surprised me up in the mountains of Oaxaca. I remember you calling out my name and turning around. We got to hang out. And then I saw you on Telluride. And it seems like you've literally been bouncing around basically the entire planet since then. I know you've spent time in Europe, all across the US, You know, running all sorts of seminars and events. And today we're here to talk about the most recent event that you're launching, which is a webinar, multiple part webinar series called Psychedelics in Africa, The Untold Story. So let's get right into it. What's going on? What can people expect if they want to you know, tap in and join you at this webinar? Sure, man. So in fact, that was actually the title of the first presentation that I ever put together which was, you know, going back over 12 years ago, in fact. It was just basically was the big, you know, the inception of my research. And I basically pulled together, you know, a few slides, bits of information. I presented that as my first presentation, which I thought would be the first and last time I presented it because I wasn't actually in the public speaking game at that time. Um, I was pretty much doing someone a favor. With that said, over the years, that research has developed. And as yourself and many people know, I've got a range of different presentations that I do. But the focus has always been, you know, just kind of plugging the gap as far as research in relation to psychedelics in Africa and the diaspora, you know, the role that it's played on the continent and, you know, and the people it's connected to, the lifestyles that they live, the ceremonies that they get involved in, all of that type of stuff. I've been interested in that stuff. So 12 years later, I've got more than just an hour and a half's worth of presentation content material there. And for the most part, when I present it, people say, yo, there was a lot of information there, man. I wish I could have pressed pause and been able to rewind and go over and recap some of the stuff that you was presenting. So that hour and a half has now been developed into an eight hour webinar series where you can, you can press pause, you can rewind and, you know, you can stream at any time at your convenience. I'm just sharing basically all the research that I've been coming across over the years and packaged it in a way where it's, you know, digestible. There's complementary resources that come along with it, you know, like reading lists, 
articles and references that I'll be pulling from. So it's all going to be housed in one place and space so people can access it 24 hours a day, man. Psychedelics in Africa, the untold story. You know, anybody who's seen you speak can attest to the fact that you know how to captivate an audience. So it's not just that you're presenting all this extremely valuable research, which you've certainly been at the forefront of globally, I would say, as far as a pioneer and pushing the envelope of this dialogue about psychedelics in Africa, which is such a huge missing component, because it's my understanding that all humans have come from Africa. So like we're really talking about, you know, the genesis of a lot of what's evolved into the plant medicine community, you know, the diaspora, as you mentioned. So I would 100% recommend anyone who's able to join this, do it. And I myself am looking forward to dropping in and checking out how it's developed. And I always like to ask people, you know, how exactly has this developed? You mentioned that you've gone from one and a half hours to eight hours or so. Are there any specific components that you've really dove into that you've developed that you can share with us about how you were able to evolve what you're doing from you know this hour and a half public speaking gig into a full-fledged program? Like, are there any specific areas that you can share with us as maybe like a course preview? Yeah, well, like the inception of it all, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few highlights. Basically came from, you know, just like you said, I was aware that, you know, life, in this current cycle started in Africa and the migration from the African continent around all different places in the world. I was aware of the role that these individuals had played in, you know, language and literacy and fashion, you know, in so many different areas. I was baffled at the fact that when I was coming to these workshops and seminars as a punter, myself sitting in the audience wanting to learn more about psychedelics, that I was basically being told that there was one. You know, like, we don't know much about what's going on in Africa, but there's definitely one there that we know of, and, and that's Iboga. And, you know, and better yet, Ibogaine, which is the active ingredient in Iboga. And that's really good for like heroin addiction and, you know, alcohol recovery and stuff like that. And at the time, I felt like, well, that's really cool because, you know, these challenges affect my community directly as well as the wider community. But at the same time, it just didn't sit well with my spirit as far as, you know, uh, are there heroin addicts walking around Gabon and the Congo? You know, the regions where this root bark is indigenous to. And um, I knew that that wasn't the case, but I had to do the research to give testimony to that. And then what I did find out, along with many other plant technologies and fungal organisms, when you talk to the lion, the, the person who the technology was gifted to and are the gatekeepers of this technology, they suggest that it's for communication with the ancestral realm, with the unseen world, with the spirits, with the elementals. And they don't reference too much in regards to anxiety and depression and PTSD. That's not their narrative. So for me, it was really important to make sure that the narrative of the lion and not the hunter is presented. So with that said, that's the premise of what really where the first season, because this what the workshop, online workshop or webinar series in three parts, three seasons. And the first season just really focuses on ancestors and ancestral, what we would call ancestral worship or ancestral acknowledgement and what that really means. So that's the premise of what the first portion of the series is all about. And then from there, I take you on a kind of chronological and geographical journey, starting with those earliest people that we've come across, which are the so-called pygmy people, the small people of the continent, and where they migrated to, and the information that they took with them and the practices that they developed. I just, I just go on a journey. I, I, I went on that journey physically as well as, you know, research-wise, and I'm going to be taking the audience on that same very journey. So what you find out is that this these technologies that they utilize to communicate with the ancestors, well, what role do the ancestors play, you know? And so it's really not just a psychedelic, you know, 
purely just psychedelic information you're getting you know you're getting a bit more bang for your buck as well you're getting like and it's in fact and it doesn't just solely focus on africa too it's like world history you know like you was aware that if we're aware that we all come from this continent then it's, it's everyone's story it's not just my story or people that are directly connected to africa so as i said we take you on this chronological geographical journey around the continent and various places looking at ancestral ancestral cults as they're referred to in the here and now and you mentioned how so much of the narrative surrounding the psychedelic industry or this burgeoning kind of mainstreaming of psychedelics revolves around PTSD, anxiety, right? When you go to these conferences, which, you know, we've been to Telluride together, I've been to Meet Delic and been to Reggie's conferences in California, and there's often people talking about treating addiction, of disrupting addiction, things like that. But I'm just curious to get some of your takes on the way that all of this plant medicine, these technologies that you reference that have been so integrated and integral to ancestral cultures historically, especially going back to Africa and to the genesis of it all. What is it like for you now to see all of these companies and these people who are starting to kind of try to steer the narrative into a different direction and to, and basically I just want your, you know, hot takes on what the psychedelic industry is doing right? Or, or is there anything that's happening right about this? And maybe where are some of the blind spots that we need to address collectively? Because it's more popular than ever now, right? Like mushrooms, ibogaine, things like this are literally in the mainstream, right? You've got Aaron Rodgers taking ayahuasca and talking about how it helped him win MVP. And, you know, we've got the Horizons Conference in New York City at the New York Academy of Medicine. That's extremely old guard, venerable, and you know, in my opinion, I think that there is a big disconnect between a lot of this research that you're talking about and a lot of the kind of talking points at some of these major conferences and that you see in the media. So we'd just love to get some perspective from you about, you know, some of the things maybe this, quote, psychedelic industry is doing right. Is that even a good term for it? And uh, what are blind spots? I attended the very first breaking convention in 2011. And um, at the very last day at the panel where they had all the, you know, the main players on the stage, they were suggesting that they are the gatekeepers and f future of psychedelics. And some of those names, you know, I'm not going to call out the names, but, you know, we're all privy to who these main players are. And they've inspired a group of people that possibly don't have the interest of the masses, you know, at, at heart. And um, at that time, at the breaking convention, I remember because it, it ruffled a few feathers when it was like, you know, the future of psychedelics is here on the stage and this is the direction that we're going in. Um, I it just didn't resonate with me, Dennis. You know, because as I said, like like that panel, that audience was like uh, just a bunch of old white men, and that's no disrespect. But I was like, well, you don't represent the future. I know the future is enlightening young people. <laughs> like I work with young people, so I'm always aware of where the future, you know, the future lies. There was a few people around that just you could tell that that just it, it just ruffled some feathers, and it took Kalindi EE to stand up. Shout outs to the OG who then suggested that these gatekeepers or potential gatekeepers haven't taken enough psychedelics because if they had, they wouldn't be trying to hold on and try to capitalize on it the, the way that they are currently approaching this, approaching this space. Moving forward 11 years, you know, late or however long ago that is now, I'm aware that, you know, that's exactly what the narrative was and that's what they intended to do. And with that said, I've decided to stand on my square and share my story from my perspective and hope to inspire others to do the same. That's why I said at the beginning, you know, to get in where you fit. I don't see history doing anything different from what it's done in the past. It's like, to me, it's like gold, diamonds, you know, tobacco, alcohol, any resources that 
may have been looked at as non-useful, non-profitable at one point in time. And then the powers that be see that there is some type of benefit from it. There is some money that we can generate from it. Um, they, they, they play Monopoly. That's what they, you know, that's what they do. That's what history has shown me. So I don't expect history to do much different in all honesty. My question to those people who, you know, rally up and, you know, challenge that, cause I'm, I'm also here to challenge that system as well. But I'm like, what do we do about that? When you know that that's how your opposition is playing, so to speak, you know, like, what do you do? So I've decided to do what I do, <laughs> you know, not rant and rave, not complain, not protest against them, like create platforms, create environments where we can share a narrative that is more balanced. I always use the example of like my children were homeschooled. That was simply because that I wasn't comfortable with the educational system being provided in this country. Now, I could have gone to the schools all day, every day. Look, I still work in schools, you know, and told them to change the curriculum, you know, do this. I want you to educate my children about this. Knowing full well that that's not going to really work no matter how much I campaign. So my goal was like, well, let me just educate my children. You know, and that's kind of the premise that I'll take this psychedelic information. Like, I'm not waiting for the powers that be to share the big gaps. There's loads of gaps in this space, man. You know, as far as what indigenous cultures, how they preserve the rights, in my humble opinion, to be the ones, the advocates, to be the educators, to be the ones who educate the masses, really and truly. And um, we just kind of bypass them like you know they're, they're they're old school they're primitive you know they're into like some mumbo jumbo stuff and then what I, i'm coming full circle for just to say that i was taught that prevention is better than cure dennis i'm not sure if you've heard that before it's something that my mother taught me and i say that to say that when you go to these places and spaces where these gatekeepers who've been dealing with these technologies for hundreds if not thousands of years they're not talking about anxiety depression ptsd it doesn't exist in their environments in the way that it's such a you know, has its dominance in places in the West, like where I'm in the UK and, you know, the United States of America and other places around the world where we're supposedly, you know, way up there and well-versed and educated, but we're challenged by these things. And maybe we could learn a trick or two from these people who we consider primitive. So that's why I want to hear what they've got to say. When I, when I gather that together, then I present that and say, hey, this is what they deal with it and how they deal with it. And, you know, and like, that's what maybe we could l listen to more and learn more from. And you hit the nail on the head with an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's something that I've always carried around with me. And also, I want to dive into a little bit more about the connection between the global south and people of the global majority and psychedelics. Because I had a conversation recently with Rod Siraj, who, shout out Rod, he's got a podcast called The Minority Trip Report. And he's from Bangladesh, his family. And what we have in common is we both lived in Saudi Arabia before, which is a very interesting place. And Rod is now uh, very involved in the world of business development. He's very connected to the emergent psychedelic industry. And one of the angles that he's talking about a lot is that almost not a single conversation about how people in Bangladesh, his home country, how people in the global south and the global ma majority are going to be able to access and to connect with this quote, psychedelic renaissance that's happening. Like all the conversations as we've just discussed are gravitating around these centers of commerce and industry insofar as how, how much market share they can capture, right? Like how much market share can we get with these, uh, the medicalized model of medicines? So I do think that at the very least that that conversation is starting to happen. As you see the psychedelic industry taking off, which is a weird term to use, but nevertheless, that's what's happening. There's an industry that's forming around these molecules and these medicines. Do you suppose that there's a future where all of these people and marginalized communities and people in the global South are going to have this be, you know, reintegrated into their culture? Because maybe historically, ancestrally, it was a big part of the culture, 
But if you go to like Lagos, right, or you go to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, like, is there a conversation happening right now about, you know, psychedelics and plant medicine? Would love to get some perspective from you on this. Yeah, well, like to the first part of it, you know, in a nutshell, I would say like it's our responsibility. If you're from that global majority, if that's how you feel, it's your responsibility to create your own narrative and don't have any expectations of anybody else creating your own narrative. You know, if you step into the space with that process, with those processes, like you're more likely to co-create the reality that you want, other than expecting somebody else to create that reality for you. Now, if, for example, say, I'm aware that I do a lot of work in the community where I'm at with young people and so-called hard-to-reach communities, and what I've always brought to this to the forefront is that, you know, unless you've got Young people sitting around the table when we're developing programs for young people, it's redundant, you know. So a lot of times I'm in these spaces where we're developing young people's programs and stuff like that. And I'm the youngest person in the room sitting around the table. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. We need the voice. We need the input, the engagement of the young people when we're at the inception, at the genesis of this thing. And it just lets me know that you, those people are not even thinking or considering those young people. So when I see those principles playing out in a psychedelic space, it's the same principles. Like we're not being invited to the table in the first place. So if you're aware that you're not being invited to the table, like what do you do? You create your own table, you build your own table. Like that's like where I'm coming from and what I hope to inspire people to do. Now, for those of us, like I said, getting where you fit. Now, if you feel you're an individual that needs to go and be at that table and ruffle some feathers, well, get your ass up, go to those tables and make some noise. Like, we need everybody in all different positions. We can't all be strikers. We can't all be goalkeepers. We need different players in different positions and being able to create the reality that we would all like to see, you know? And if that means that we feel that the industry is taking over and we just sit back and say oh look at the industry just taking over look what they're doing well that's exactly what they're going to do because we're co-creating that narrative it's like really important that we're responsible in creating our own reality like you know we're not getting all esoteric and occultic on people you know that's that's the principle of life you know manif all these same people talking about manifestations and all you know that type of talk well, that, well let's manifest the reality that you know that we would like so with that said, to the second part of the question being that, you know, if you go to a Lagos, if you go to certain places, are they part of the psychedelic renaissance, you know? And, you know, for the most part, no, because in my humble opinion, you know, that's a, that's um, a term, it's the media, it's the coverage that, you know, certain places get that would allow us to think there's a renaissance going on, you know? And I quote, you know, I'm going to go back to move forward. I quote Usman, who done some initial research around psilocybin distribution around the world. I remember being at this conference in the UK, it's called Intoxication. They was looking at psychedelic technologies. They had a map up showing psilocybin distribution around the world. And I remember that I'm born and bred in the UK. This is where I was conceived. And I couldn't even see the UK, Dennis, because there were so many dots there where they were talking about where psilocybin mushrooms are. And, you know, you looked at Central and Southern America, loads of dots. And you looked at this large, massive continent sitting right in the center, which was Africa. And it was like five dots. And I was like, are you trying to tell me there's like five mushrooms in Africa? And to the credit of the researcher at the time who was presenting the information, as well as Guzman, who done the initial research, they was like, this isn't a fair representation of psilocybin distribution around the world. This is a fair representation of where the interest is, where the funding is, you know, where the, you know, where the media are basically have got their cameras and their eyes and attention, you know, the, the gatekeepers of that time. And that was basically the catalyst for me to say, yeah, it's actually not their job to, to report 
on Africa. It's like, really not. It's for African people to do that, you know, and people in the diaspora who are interested and then make those connections as ambassadors, as diplomats, so to speak, that we're connected to these places. Well, I'm also connected to the UK. I'm privy to what's going on here. No, they may not be privy to that on the African continent in Lagos, for example. But what they do have is this connection to a, an ancient indigenous lineage that we're disconnected from. And it's about making, making those connections and making those, you know, those wires and cords connect. And I think that's the stage or, you know, the early stages that we're at now. And that's what I'm trying to inspire and encourage people to look at so we can build those bridges. But then it's done from a holistic perspective and not inviting those same those same narratives, those same actions that don't seem to serve the masses well. You know, I think that word you mentioned, diplomacy, is so important. And that's something that I think politically, socially, with the plant medicine space and the psychedelic space, there's a lack of diplomacy a lot of times. And like, I also understand like sometimes people don't want to be diplomatic. You just want to like punch someone in the face because they've aggravated you. So I can understand that. But I've seen just so many echo chambers happening, right? Where you have the industrialists, the people who are trying to capitalize, they're doing their thing, right? And they're fucking doing it pretty well so far. Uh, not all the companies, there's a ton losing a shitload of money. So not all of them, but like, you know, these these conferences are popping up all over the place. And something I'm trying to do is bring a little bit of diplomacy and a little bit of nuance and to try to encourage communication across party lines. And I see that as an extension, not just the psychedelic community, but like look at the political discourse worldwide right now. Like there has never been, at least in my lifetime that I'm aware of, so much tension politically between right and left, between, you know, Democrat and liberal, this and that and the other. And I think it's really the kind of, you know, marginalized and impoverished people who suffer the most from that. If you don't have good communication, good policy, like I, I just I, I'm curious, I guess I want to ask you is like as you start to get more traction and like people know the name Darren LeBaron all over the world, people see you like how do you if you get invited to these tables, if they do say, hey, we're going to have you on stage at Telluride, right? I saw you moderate a panel in Telluride and that was like a very old guard. Like we're at the fucking Sheridan Opera House. You know, that wasn't like some newfangled thing. That was like a bunch of scientists, a bunch of policymakers. And you were there moderating the panel. As you start to get traction and as you start to have more, if you will, influence and, and invitations to be in the room with some of these well, stakeholders, like how do you go about engaging that and staying authentic to your vision and to your principles, even if it means ruffling feathers? It's easy for me, Dennis, in the sense of like, you know, because that's just that's just what I do. That's who I was born to be, not just in this space is what I've been doing in other spaces and places. So um, with that said, when I enter these spaces, I'm not in competition with anybody personally. Because what I have found in these spaces is a lot of competitiveness, especially when I went to the States, you know, like I've known that before psychedelics, you know, like that's why you guys are number one, you know, in certain sports, not you guys personally, but you know, like certain sports, it's, it's, there's an energy which I admire, but I also see that filter into the psychedelic space. So for example, I want to be the first to have microdosing chocolates. I want to be the first to <laughs> have it in a package certain way and present it a certain way. And I see other people as competition. Me personally, I just don't step into spaces like that, Dennis, man. And I, like, I'm comfortable in who I am and what I do and how I do what I do. So I'm not trying to be anyone else or trying to do anything else other than myself. And if I'm received well, that's cool. And if I'm not, that's cool too. Like that's how I move and groove in these spaces. So just like you, when I went to, when I was invited to these first certain conferences, there were people who were more 
experienced in being in these spaces and places and they were sliding in my dm sending me messages and saying yo you know you shouldn't be talking to these people you know you shouldn't be doing you know being at these conferences with these type of people and i'm like yo i'm not laying in bed with these people man i'm not creating babies with these folks you know like i'm in the space having discussions you know like where where better where a better place to be than in the belly of the beast you know that's where i was born in the uk you know it's like that's where i want to be that's where you need to be i don't want to be preaching to the choir I don't need like yes men, you know. So for me, like that challenge, so to speak, of being in these uncomfortable places where they may look at me and I don't and I don't fit the usual credentials as someone who should be in this space. For me, that that like, I love that. That doesn't throw me off personally, and that's something that you know actually utilizes fuel. Let's loop back to the untold story of psychedelics in Africa and how this ties into all of that. I'm curious about how you're going to platform this. Like, I know that you're going to have a link available. People are going to be able to access it and stream it at their convenience. Is this a live webinar that they can then stream after? And can you tell us a little bit about the packaging and exactly sort of the publication and the platform of how this will be published? First and foremost, you'll be able to get all the information by way of my website, DarrenLeBaron.com. Um, it's being held and hosted by way of Vimeo, which is a platform which allows me to stream the content so I, I will be doing a live version and then, but the version that will be streamed will be actually be a pre-recorded version, which is like, in my humble opinion, is just like, gonna look really cool. So it's bringing in the slides, visuals and other elements that make it a bit more engaging and just me standing up on the, on the stage usually with a microphone presenting. So you're gonna have those elements, there's gonna be visual, um, complimentary visual content that goes alongside of, alongside it. And for the one-off fee that is being requested, it will allow you access to the initial seasons that are being released and any additional future updates, like any upgrades. So just like our phones get upgraded and software gets upgraded, there's these, these, um, presentations will eventually be upgraded and it will give you access for life. As long as we're still here and <laughs> the internet is still alive and these platforms still exist, you will always be able to have access to it. So, you know, season one will be launched in October the 31st. And then season two comes out in December the 21st around the solstice. Season three comes out in, you know, February in the new year. And um, just like, I don't know, a Netflix special that people follow, you'll be able to tap in and, you know, go back and check season one. If you only heard about it during season three, you can make the purchase and get access to all three seasons. You know, it's like very much made accessible to folks. And like I said, it's going to be an interactive visual you know, like something that nobody has, see, has seen me do before, because generally, you know, the the online stuff that's been made available is just pre-recordings of the Zoom conversations, pre-recordings of the live workshop. But this is definitely something special. I have to give a shout out to my homeboy Holden who helps, you know, film and is editing it right now and putting it all together and putting out all the tricks to make it look, some, you know, something really special. Wonderful. And come and correct with the Skull Gang, October 31st, very on brand for Darren LeBaron. So... Darren LeBaron, thank you very much for joining us again on the Micropreneur Podcast. It's always a blast to tune in with you and to see what you're working on because you're one of the most exciting people in this space for my money. So thank you again for gracing the Micropreneur Podcast with your presence. No, and on that note, Dennis, I want to big you up because I, I was thinking about it the other day. I, I'm, I may have been like one of the early people on your podcast when you kickstarted. I remember because I remember checking you out and thinking, you know, very few followers, you know, you was where I was at that time. Like, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're both on this journey. And at that time, I, you know, I was new, I was kind of new to the social media space. And you was one of the first people to be like, yo, I see you and you're seeming interesting. I look to you like, oh, I see what you're doing. And, and I've seen your growth as well, man. And I just like the way that you present it because you bring that, 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 
that diversity as well in the way that you present the information. You could just be another guy out there ranting and raving, but I love the humour, I love the comedy. It allows you to push the envelope. It allows you to push buttons, which I love to see and hear and appreciate that you do it in the way that you do it. Because I know that you can speak some hard truths through comedy, you know, and, and you're doing it in that way that I'm inspired to, you know, to, in, in that in those ways too as well, man. So don't stop what you're doing. I've seen your growth and your come up and like, I look forward to seeing more, man. That means a lot to me. Thank you very much. I hope that you have a great day and I'll be looking forward to the official release of Psychedelics in Africa, The Untold Story. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at mycopreneur podcast, that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.